Let's turn to the Word this morning and just uh, come and share together. We've been in these uh, last few weeks, we've been in these verses in Jude, and I kind of want to kick off from there this morning. Uh, uh, just, uh, we've been talking about keeping ourselves, we've talked about keeping ourselves in the love of God, how uh, it's important for us to live out of that identity of being loved by God, and, and that, that changes everything. You know, it's nice to be loved, isn't it? And uh, we talked about how when we understand the love of God in our lives, it, it changes how we act and how we uh, 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 live for Jesus in the world. And we talked about how we could do that. And last week I talked about keeping in step with the Spirit. You know, what I believe is maybe one of uh, a really important message for many of us about learning to hear God and walk with Him. And, you know, that's a challenge for all of us, isn't it? Because uh, life can be challenging, it can be difficult, and we have to work through so many things. So we just talked about how we could do that in in day-to-day life, how we could make time to hear the voice of the Lord in our lives. And today, I want to really pick up this theme of keeping ourselves free. Um, If you read from Jude 21, it says, Keep yourselves in God's love as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life. Be merciful to those who doubt. Save others by snatching them from the fire. To others show mercy mixed with fear, hating even the clothing stained by corrupted flesh. (laughs) Wow, that's a bit of a strong verse, don't you think? You need to read it in a verse, a tone like this. To others show, I need an Irishman to read that. Mixed with fear, hating even the clothing stained by corrupted flesh. (laughs) It's good that, isn't it? Tell me. You know, it's one of those difficult verses of the Bible. What what on earth is Jude saying? He's actually saying, you know what? As followers of Christ, we need to be careful how we live. That there is a, a connection with things in this world that can actually touch and affect our lives. And here's the truth. We know that's true, don't we? Because other people's stuff can become our stuff very quickly. Have you ever noticed? And so I want to talk today about keeping ourselves free. The Bible says it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. That's the message of the scripture. Jesus said, I've come to give life in all its fullness. And for us, life in all its fullness has to involve being free in ourselves. Being free in our understanding of what that means. But he's not talking about physical freedom. I think you need to understand that. He, because he's writing to people who are in slavery. He's writing to people who have no choice about their physical condition. He even says in one of his letters, uh, Slaves, obey your earthly masters with respect and fear and with sincerity of heart, just as you would obey Christ. He doesn't say to them, Hey, slaves, you can, you can just walk away. Because you're free. He says, no, slaves, you're still slaves. But you can live with freedom. Wow. Don't you think that's amazing? See, God hasn't called us to be free in every context of our lives. He hasn't promised us that. Sometimes you want to say to everybody, oh, follow Jesus, you'll be free in every respect. No, you have to keep yourself free. And you have to learn what freedom is in God. And so I want to just try and unpack that for a few moments this morning because um, we need to understand that when we talk about freedom and about being free, it doesn't mean that every situation of our lives we can just expect God to take us out of. Hello? Will somebody say, amen, the Lord's leaving me right here. 
You know, it's, it's an amazing thing, isn't it? Because somewhere in our psyche and in the psyche of the church, we want to believe that freedom means that we'll never be controlled by anything. But actually, all of us are controlled by stuff. Tomorrow morning, we're going to have to get up and go to work. You can't phone the, uh, the boss and go, hello, I'm free in Jesus, so I'm not going to come in today. I mean, you can try it. Some of my staff try that on a Tuesday morning. But it doesn't work like that, does it? You know, it, we have things that we have to answer to. And so I want us to try and understand what, what he means when he says it's for freedom that Christ has sent. The Bible teaches us that it's freedom of heart and soul and mind that the Lord wants to give us. It is freedom from sin and its effects in our lives. Hebrews 9 says this, For this reason, Christ is the mediator of a new covenant, that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance, now that he has died as a ransom to set them free from the sins committed under the first covenant. Wow, what an important verse. He's saying, actually, freedom in Christ means that there is freedom from sin and its effect in our lives. That's the primary meaning of being free in Christ. It's saying that actually what Jesus has done has set us free from the effect of sin in our lives and in the lives of mankind if they will respond. That's the promise of freedom in Christ. Jesus died to make a way for us. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And this is what the Bible is speaking about. It's speaking about freedom from guilt. Isn't it great? Not to have to carry the burden of guilt that we have in our lives. Anybody remember what it's like to feel guilty? But Jesus died to take away the burden of guilt, to give us freedom from guilt. The Bible says, Psalm 32, I acknowledge my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. I said I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave the guilt of my sin. Wow. See, freedom from guilt is an amazing way to live. You know, I want to live without uh, the guilt of my actions before God and even before other people. Sometimes I think about the things that I've done to other people and guilt overwhelms me. How about you? And I have to come to God and say, you know what, God, I, I, I can't change some of my actions. But thank you, God, that the guilt of my actions is cleansed in you. I have freedom from it. I have peace because you've come into my life. That's what John Newton meant when he wrote the song Amazing Grace. Because he was a slave trader. Imagine. We would call him a trafficker. Someone who is dealing in the misery of other people. Someone who became rich. Robbing people of their freedom. And who came then to faith in Christ himself. And who was able to write the song that we all sing without really thinking about what it means. Amazing grace that saved a wretch like me. Freedom in Christ. That's what it's about. Freedom from guilt. It's also freedom from accusation. Colossians 1, 22. Now he has reconciled you by Christ's body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. I love that, don't you? I love the fact that, um, that God has set me free from the accusations of my wrongdoing. That when I became a Christian, he didn't just deal with my past, he dealt with my future. 
that actually I don't have to fear the failures of my life and I don't have to fear the enemy accusing me of the wrongdoing of my life, but I can live in confidence because the freedom of Christ brings me freedom from being accused. Because how many of you know we're not perfect? Just look to the person next door to you and you'll realize that very quickly. We're not perfect. We've all got stuff going on. We all make mistakes. We all sin. Listen, uh, we, we would have grounds to be accused. Listen, it wouldn't take very long to dig into our lives today to find stuff about one another that we don't like. That's true, isn't it? Some of you have got a list about me just in the top of your heads right now. It doesn't take long, does it? But here's the deal. When you become free in Christ, you're free from accusation. Who accuses you? I tell you who accuses you. The enemy of our soul accuses us. You find the devil accusing you of just not, you know, some of us don't think we hear um, uh, spiritual beings. I tell you what, we hear the devil quite a lot. Saying to us, call yourself a Christian. Who do you think you are? How on earth could you behave like that and say you follow Jesus? just me huh and all of a sudden you find that 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 accusation come against us that the devil seeks to rob us of uh, uh, our our opportunity to walk with God and to be free and we fight against it because the accusations sometimes are true anybody know what I'm talking about we fail we get it wrong we we don't do the things that we promise to do and the things we promise not to do we end up doing And the accuser of the brethren stands and he hurls accusations at us. But actually what we say is, you know what? I'm free from accusation because Jesus not only has poured out grace into my life, but he set me free and he's justified me and I no longer have to be free. Uh, I no longer have to be um, under the threat of my guilt and under the remembrance of my accusations. He's made us new creations. He took the penalty of our sin and declared us holy in the sight of God. Don't you love that? That we're holy in the sight of God. How can we stand and worship God and sing these amazing songs that, that make such glorious claims about who God is and about what he's done in our lives? How could we dare do that if we felt accused? That's why freedom is such a big issue because actually God wants you to be able to stand and and sing the songs of redemption. I'm a child of God. Yes, I am. I got in the car this morning, just turned on the key and and Radio 4 came up and there was a service from somewhere and they were singing, what a beautiful name it is. And I'm like, wow, here it is on our radio channels, Radio 4, what a beautiful name it is, wow. I just thought, you know what, it is a beautiful name. Because in the name of Jesus, accusation flees. And we come and stand and we live in the freedom of what Jesus has done for us. Paul says in Romans, if God is for us, who can be against us? Listen, friends, people will always tell you your failures. But you just have to tell them, you know what, I know I've messed up. But I know Jesus has cleansed me. I'm free in God. I'm free in him. And then thirdly, it's freedom from fear. Hebrews chapter 2 says this, Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity, that's Jesus, so that by his death he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free all those whose lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. What an amazing hope we have today, that actually we don't have to have fear in our lives. You know, see this is why it's important to keep ourselves free. Because when you can keep yourself free, then you can actually say, I will not be afraid. Because God is with me. 
because he changes things, because he works in my life and in my circumstances. The Bible says the spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear. Rather, the spirit brings you into adoption as sons and daughters of God. Freedom from fear. How many of us could take that just now? How many of you know our world needs to understand freedom from fear? The church needs to understand freedom from fear. Because it so it grips our lives at times. And so here's this amazing thing. Keep yourselves free. And I want to talk a little bit this morning just about maybe a couple of suggestions how we do that. I understand that that's a, a struggle. I understand that that's not a one-off thing. I understand that you have to work at it. And I wish I could just say that when you come to Jesus, I can just lay hands on you with some magic oil and all fear goes. But that's not the truth. The truth is we have to keep ourselves free. We have to stand firm and not let ourselves be enslaved again by, by the things that so often would bring uh, uh, captivity into our minds. Stand firm and do not let yourselves be slaves. The Bible tells us that we are in a battle and the arena of our war is our mind. Because if we do not get our minds free, then we will not live free. If we do not understand in our heads that something has changed and that we can think differently and act differently, if we don't win that war here, then actually winning the war becomes difficult. And the devil seeks to dominate people through the mind. Because if he can win the war in your mind about who you are and who God is and how unfair it is and the difficulties of life, then he will capture you and hold you. I remember hearing someone say it once, and I think it's a really valuable thing, really helped me in my life. The devil doesn't need to defeat you. He just needs to contain you. He just needs to say something, and in your mind, he just needs to bring an accusation or a temptation. See, how did sin enter the world? It entered into the mind. Did God really say that? See, if God, uh, sorry, if the enemy of your soul can get you to doubt what God says, then in your mind, you're already letting go of freedom. Understand? And so I want us to just try and guard ourselves, to keep ourselves free. And it can happen so quickly. It can happen so quickly. It can happen when an email arrives on your desk. And all of a sudden, the freedom that you had a few moments ago starts to wave goodbye. Anybody know the feeling? It can happen when, when something happens at home. It can happen when something happens at work. It can happen when, when a relationship that you value takes a new turn and you don't feel quite as valued as it is. And all of a sudden, in your mind, things start to unravel. And friends, you know what? We need to get this right because this is important how we live as believers because it's about freedom. You see, freedom is about able to say, you know what? Even though this has happened, I am still free in Christ. I am still able to stand in the, the strength of God. I'm still able to declare who God is in my life. So I just want to change, uh, sorry, I want to suggest a couple of ways that we can keep ourselves free. Firstly, it says we have to change our thinking. It was great that Dan read from a Philippians 4 this morning. Whatever is pure, whatever is holy, whatever is good. I've had, I, I've, I'm embroiled in a bit of a situation outside of church. And uh, I had, a, had an email just a couple of weeks ago that, that absolutely made me raging. I mean, I'm not talking about angry. I was raging. You'd have been like, what has happened to Dave? 
And I stood in the street late one night as I come in and I cried out to God, God, if I don't give this to you, I am going to do serious damage to somebody soon. Shocking, isn't it? It's a fight. I felt the arm of Eve. Wasn't going there this morning. Why? Because the enemy seeks to devour people's lives. And I had a choice to be devoured or not to be. And it was a struggle. I had to walk up and down that street for a while. My neighbors were looking out the window going, what has happened to him? Because sometimes you have to fight not to give yourself away. And I could blame everybody else, friends, but the truth is it was my responsibility. I had to step back into the freedom that comes from Christ. I had to say, you know what, Lord, I'm changing my thinking. Even in the shower this morning, lovely picture for you. (laughs) I had to change my thinking about this email. Two weeks have gone by. I still have to change my thinking. I still haven't replied, friends. And that's a victory. Because to reply would become enslaved and give away the freedom that Christ has put in me. See, if you're going to live free you have to change how you think people see we live in a world where everybody demands their rights and it's all about what I deserve but I tell you friends we're more enslaved today than we've ever been we want to fight everybody about everything and try and get our own way friends deal with it you're not going to get your own way every time everything's not going to work for you the way you want it to but it will work together for good for him so you have to change your thinking. You have to say, you know what? I would have reacted like this once, but you know, in Jesus' name, I refuse to react like that. I will not be that person anymore. I am not who they say I am. I'm who he says I am. I'm going to live in the truth of it. How many of you know that's not easy? It's easier to get venting, but you know what? As soon as you start doing it, the tentacles of the evil one wrap around your soul and they pull you in. That's the reality of what we're doing, friends. Let's not kid ourselves that it's easy. It's not. But you have to keep yourself free. Anybody glad they came today? (laughs) The Bible says this, We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought. Here's a paradox. We have to take captive thoughts to live in freedom. We have to say, you know what, I will not allow that to fester in my life. Some of us get offended so easily because we've never learned to guard our thinking, friends. Some of us get offended without anything happening. Some of us get offended by the things that might happen in the future. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You haven't been driving in a car waiting for an argument in your head. Just me, huh? I need to go to some kind of counseling, I tell you now. And you're on the way, and you're in your head going, and, and then I'm going to say this, and I'm going to, say, I'm going to do this. Do you know what I mean? And you get there ready for a fight, and people go, hi, how are you? I go, oh, I'm all right, actually. I was, just, uh, <laughs> I was just getting anxious in the car there. But, you know, why is it? Because it's how we think. Friends, honestly, we've got to change our thinking. Is it making sense today? 
Honestly, friends, we can't just pretend, you know, this is not an event in our lives. This is a process in our lives. You've got to keep yourselves free. You've got to stand firm in the freedom God gives you. The enemy is seeking to rob you of the freedom that God has put in your heart. Seeking to rob you. And he's merciless, friends. He doesn't care if you're having a bad day. He'll go straight for you. It's not like, well, I'm having a tough day, Lord. Will the devil leave me alone? No, he won't. So you need to put on the armor of God. You need to say, you know what? I've got the helmet of salvation. I'm going to have redeemed thinking in my head. Sometimes you might have to stand in the mirror before you go out in the wall, uh, out the door and say, you know what? I'm a child of God. I'm not going to give the enemy free reign in my life today. That sounds a bit extreme, doesn't it? Not if you stay free, it doesn't. Not if you fight for what the Lord is calling you to be. See, transformation is impossible without learning to think differently. We all have uh, prevailing patterns of thought in our lives according to what, to what we are. Let me say to you, Apple or Android? Apple, come on. Android people, I don't know what, you, I don't know what you're thinking, honestly. <laughs> My wife uh, has just got started on Kindle today, and she said she downloaded a book and in Kindle on Amazon. It gives you a choice of which device to put it on. And, it, and she said, I looked at the devices, and it said, download this on David's iPhone 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, on his Mac or on his iPad, 1, 2, 3. And I thought to myself, David, you have a problem. And I said, but it's over 10 years, love. It doesn't matter. Apple or Android. Brexit or Remain? Pepsi or Coke? Coke. See, there is a battle going on for your thinking. There is a battle going on to decide what way you will think. This world is sending out... See, we talk about freedom of opinion. Friends, people want to control your opinion about everything. Everything. Every advert you see, every newscast you read, every book you read, every magazine, people are trying to tell you what to think and how to believe. And so you need to say, if I am going to stay free, I'm going to change how I think. I'm going to make sure that I'm thinking according to the pattern of the word of God. I'm going to think good things, not bad. There's the first one. I'm going to think whatever is noble and pure and holy. Because by thinking those things, there is no law against thinking good things. Next time you have a bad thought about somebody, take it captive and say, Lord, give me something good to say to that person. That's how you do the fight, friends. Next time somebody you feel, you know, have you ever, have you ever gone to fight with somebody in your head and they haven't even done anything? They just looked at you wrong one day. You think to yourself, don't look at me like that. And they walk out and in your head you're going, I know what that's all about. How dare they? How dare they? And all they've done is look. They haven't said anything. We choose to be offended so much. Why? Because our thinking is patterned by the world. And we have to say, you know what? I will not think like this. I need to move on. I could talk for a long time about this. But honestly, the renewing of our mind is a process, not an event. How do we challenge our anxious thoughts? You know, anxiety is such a massive issue in the world today. Anxiety about so many things. How do we challenge it? Well, Dan actually read it this morning. Do not be anxious about anything. But by, uh, in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, pre- present your request to God. And then it says, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. One of the ways we overcome anxiety is to change how we think. So I'm going to think about what God has to say about what he wants to do in my life. 
How do we keep ourselves free, change our thinking? Secondly, we have to run away from some things. <laughs> we have to run away. There's a great uh, video uh, on Facebook or somewhere I saw on YouTube or somewhere, and it's a big, big kind of like black guy says, teaching his son how to deal with knife crime. I don't know if you've seen it. And he has this big knife, and he's saying, he gives it a big preamble. He says, I'm trying to teach my children how to deal with knife crime because they're facing it in their society and all of that. And it goes on and on. And he says, and this is how I'm teaching him how to deal with it. And he drops the knife and he runs. And he says, sometimes you just have to run away from the fight if you don't want to get hurt. Wow, there's some wisdom there. You know, sometimes we just have to remove ourselves from the situation if we're going to stay free. Sometimes, you know, sometimes we stay in conversations that are about to enslave us and we do not remove ourselves for fear of offending someone. We choose captivity over offending someone. Hello? Choose freedom, friends. Just say, oh, excuse me, I can't really talk about this anymore. Walk away. That's not impolite. I mean, it's impolite if you go, shut up, you, I don't like what you're saying. That's impolite. But if you just say, you know, I, I, I'm not going to stay here, you know, bless you, thank you, you walk away, you're choosing to protect yourself. You're fleeing from things. Remember the story of Joseph in Potiphar's house, and Potiphar's wife came on to him and said, you know, take me to bed, we can have a great time, my husband will never know. And what he did was he fled. He didn't think about how I can make the situation better and come out of it all right. He fled and he paid the price for fleeing, friends, because his robe was, she dragged his coat off him and then she talked about him to her husband and he went to prison. But I tell you what, even though he was in prison, he was free. Because he knew he had removed himself from a situation that could have taken captive of him. You know, the truth is, some of you have even faced in the last year situations where you know that the tentacles of evil one and the chains of the situation you're in are going to grip your life. And instead of running, you've stayed. And now you're in trouble. (laughs) Great point, Dave. Well made. Honestly, friends, I just, you know, next week we're going to speak about skipping through the tulips, honestly. I'm, I'm so fed up, you know. I just, uh, I just, please, Lord, I just want something light and fluffy to say. <laughs> but, you know, the truth is, when you're, when you're a prison, when you let stuff come, when you stop running away from stuff, all of a sudden you end up trapped by stuff. The Bible talks about three key things. There's probably one more, but I didn't put it in. It says, flee from sexual immorality. Sex will trap you. Your attitude to sex will trap you. It's not even sex that will trap you. It's your attitude to it. How you, how you, you know, now we're all here today. We're all looking at our shoes going, can't believe we're talking about sex on a Sunday morning. But I tell your friends, sex is trapping our world in all kinds of ways. There's a great article this morning, and I just saw a link to it in The Guardian. I'll maybe re- redo it just so that you can check it on my webpage. It's just by a young Christian woman who says, in The Guardian, talking about her sex life, saying, I, I've, I've not been brought up in a Christian home, but I've become a Christian, and I've decided I will keep myself for marriage because my attitude to sex is, I think it's better if I just stay faithful to the man I'm going to marry. And she explains why. It's a lovely article written against a culture that would smear it and say, you know what, that doesn't make sense to us. But you see, the Bible says flee from sexual immorality. For many of us, that means what we watch, what we read, how we act. Sometimes you just have to flee. Sometimes you just have to say, you know what, if I watch that, it's not that I can't watch it. It's, not, it's just that it's not good for me. 
If I respond to that email, if I respond to that text, it's not that I'm, I can't do it. It's just not good. I need to flee from that. Because if you don't flee from it, then what happens is before you know it, your freedom in Christ is gone. Because you're sitting then living in shame and guilt and you're going, how do I, how do I come to God again? It says flee from sexual morality. You know, we live in a culture where sexual morality is just, it's just sidelined and it's as if it doesn't make any sense to our generation. The church needs to say, you know what, I'll flee from it. Listen, you know, the truth is you can do what you like, the Bible says, but it doesn't help you follow Jesus. And so be free from it. And then it tells us to be free, to flee from idolatry. Wow. See, most of us go, oh, well, it's okay. I'm not worshiping an idol. Aren't you? We've got so many idols in our day and age, it's scary. We might not, you know, when Paul walked around Athens and he said, you have more, more idols than you have gods almost. And friends, you just have to walk around our city and you see idols everywhere. Idols of pleasure and money. Idols of capitalism and promotion idols of self-made celebrity idols everywhere and they become so important to us flee from idolatry what's idolatry idolatry is giving god giving anything else god's position in your life it can be cake if you need if you need relieving of the god of cake bring it to me i can demolish that with no problem at all <laughs> we'll cast down that idol in your life I'll take the hit for you. I'm your pastor. I care. <laughs> Can we delete that bit? Right, whatever that is, isn't it? I'll get emails about that one as well. You know, it's just... We, we, you know, we, we just have to recognize, you know, it's idolatry. It's, it's there in our lives. And, and the Bible says, flee from it. You see, the truth is, when God tells us to flee from something that's not good for us, we look around and we think, well, he is able to worship this. But the truth is, they don't worship it. See, see what's wrong for somebody isn't what God's saying to you. If God tells you to flee from it, Run. Because it's got its hole in your life and you're going to become a slave to it. And people become a slave to things that they never thought would control them because they're not guarding their lives against it. And then thirdly, it says flee from the love of money. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the face and pierced themselves with many griefs. But you, man of God, flee from this. Sometimes we just have to say, hey, we're desperate for money and it controls our lives. And we can see it by how we give to God. We're generous in our worship, but we're stingy in our giving. Because our money has a place in our heart that's exaggerated. We find it hard to resist it. We'll pay lip service to God, but actually money has got a control on us. The Bible says flee from it doesn't mean give it all away. doesn't mean give the pastor a Mercedes. Although if you feel prompted, <laughs> I'm helping you deal with your struggles today. <laughs> but what it says is, listen, you need to, to recognize that the desire for money in your life might be so strong, it, it comes in front of God for you. It's an idol. Now, I, I wish we didn't have to say stuff like that, didn't you? But actually, God talks a lot about our attitude to money tells us to challenge it we need to guard ourselves we need to run away from things that will enslave us 
Because actually they come in the place of God and they affect our freedom. They affect our freedom. Some of the freest people I've met in my life are people with very little. But they're so generous with what they have and so grateful for life. It's a lesson to us, isn't it? We don't have to be poor. That's not what I'm saying. But let's not be dominated by these great passions of our lives. By the things that we just are driven for. You know, some people live for the party on Friday. Go out, get tanked, just give, spend all the money they've earned just on that. It's the pleasure that's... You know, some people live for the sexual encounter that means nothing because they just are trying to fill a void. Friends, the Bible says flee from it. Look at the person next door to you. They need to hear that this morning. <laughs> You're okay. It's just that. Then how do we stay free? The Bible says this. Use your freedom to do good. Decide that actually you're going to live for a greater cause. You man of God, flee from all this and pursue righteousness. Pursue godliness, faith, love, endurance, gentleness. We keep ourselves free by giving ourselves to a greater purpose than ourselves. What are you pursuing in life? That's an interesting question, isn't it? What are you pursuing? Check your diary. You'll see. What are you pursuing? Check your bank balance. You'll see. Look around the home. You'll understand. We all pursue something in life. It's not that they're wrong. It's not that it's bad to do it. It's just that actually we need to make sure we're pursuing something greater than just things. We're pursuing the kingdom of God and his purposes for our lives. Galatians 5 verse 13. And I'm going to close. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free But do not use your freedom to indulge yourself. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this command. Love your neighbor as yourself. How we live makes a difference to how we feel free. See, if we can actually give ourselves to the cause of others and the cause of Christ, then actually it frees us. Paradoxically, we give ourselves to something and it sets us free. We say, you know what? I'm honoring Jesus Christ with my life. I'm living for his kingdom and I'm willing to become his servant in my life. And in doing so, he gives us freedom to live and enjoy this world. It's the gift of God in us. It is for freedom that Christ has set you free. It doesn't mean that you're free to do whatever you want. Of course it doesn't mean that. Nobody means that. But it means you're able to say, you know what, Lord? As I give myself to you, I'm living for your kingdom. I'm seeking to bring your kingdom into this world. And all of a sudden, your heart starts to connect with the purpose of God. And you live for something other than yourself. You see, there's the slavery at work. If you live just for yourself, it becomes a captive. Because you always have to get more, want more, earn more, achieve more, experience more. It's the slavery of self. But when you lay that down and say, no, I'm living for a kingdom that can never perish, spoil or fade, kept in heaven for me, you start to live in the power of God. And you walk in the freedom of the sons and daughters of God. The Bible says, where our treasure is, There our heart is also. Saying, Lord, I'm living for you. I'm living for your kingdom. Jesus told us that those who are willing to lose their life would find it. That's an amazing statement, don't you think? 
It's quite a strange verse to our sophisticated church mindset in the 21st century. If you lose your life, then you'll actually find it. We want to hear, you just get fulfilled in every respect. But Jesus says, no, following me, deny yourself, take up your cross, come after me, and you'll see what I can do in your life and in your situation. I wonder, can we pray? I wonder, would you stand with me, please, church band? Please come back. We're going to sing a song just to close.